Hey, family, it's Coach Josh, and in today's video, we're going to be talking about the four things lust destroys and how to put those lustful uh, desires to death. But before we get into those points, let's get right into a definition of what uh, to overcome lust or what lust is. Let's go ahead and define that now. And so lust is an intense and often unrestrained desire or craving typically associated with strong or excessive longing especially in the context of physical pleasure, such as sexual desire. It can extend beyond the realm of sexuality to encompass various intense and uncontrolled desires for things like power, possessions, or recognition. So we see that lust is an intense desire uh, uh, or unrestrained desire or craving. It says uh, that typically associates with strong, excessive longing. And that lust is an overbearing desire for something. Oftentimes, the reason why we're not successful or the reason why our successes are pending is because of hidden lustful desires. I want to read something else. It says, lust is conceived in the heart of a person through a combination of biological, psychological, and environmental factors. It often arises from the natural human inclination towards desires. Influenced by external stimuli, personal experiences, and societal influences. If these desires are unchecked, these factors can lead to a distorted perception and unbridled craving, contributing to the conception of lust in the heart. So lust begins from a longing. The more you long for something other than God, the more chances of you conceiving lustful desires. And so many people right now, they're longing for all types of things. They're longing for attention. They're longing for relationship. They're longing for so many things. And it's causing lust to grow, causing them to find themselves in sin. So lust is conceived in the heart of a person. So lust begins in the heart through a combination of biological, psychological and environmental facts. So the enemy knows he wants to infuse in all three aspects to create a combination that creates a web that makes us hard to overcome. So he knows how the body is wired. That's why the Bible says, don't awaken love before it's time. Anytime you awaken something before you are able to uh, enjoy it, that thing will destroy you. So, so many people are awaking natural uh, uh, feelings that should remain dormant. So when you have a young person or any person touched by an individual lustfully or engaging a psychological, the idea of an individual lustfully or a desire for attention or, or desire to be loved or desire stemming from a lack of fatherless, uh, a lack of father or a lack of mother connection, that longing then creates psychological desire. And then when that psychological desire and the environmental factors creep in, meaning that when you look around and you begin to look in your environment and you begin to see that you are alone and everybody got somebody right now. And right now that environmental pressure or societal pressure is causing that psychological longing that then puts your physical body in an environment that will cause those errors to be triggered. And the enemy knows that when the body is triggered, it's hard to untrigger. It's hard to calm those feelings down because once you've been touched first, it's going to be hard uh, for that uh, touch to uh, uh, die in a hearse. You're going to end up in a rehearse. for how it made you feel. So the enemy can get your body addicted. You can get your body uh, uh, touched through psychological longing and environmental pressures. And my friend, lust will conceive. It says it often arises from the natural human inclination towards desires. God doesn't mind us having desires. The Bible says they that delight themselves in the Lord, he'll then give them desires of their heart. The issue is our, our raw um, earthly desires are tainted. And so when you begin to desire a relationship, but it's not in its proper uh, uh, limits, then that, that lust creates creating a, a, a overbearing desire. So now the only reason why you want a relationship, the only reason why you want a marriage, the only reason why you want that position is because of something missing. It's of, of trying to show your position to get people to uh, uh, see you. So we have a natural in inclination for desire and God doesn't mind it if it's coupled with delight. The more I delight in the Lord, the more he's my, who I long for. He's the one desire to be more like. When that delight is exposed or conceived 
in light, then my desires will be like God. Then I'll be desiring or you'll be desiring things of God the right way. God has a right limit for you as a single to desire marriage. He has a right, a, a, a level or limit in a marriage for you to desire success in a marriage. There's certain desire or limit that God doesn't want to think about. And when you begin to allow psychological effects and you begin to allow the environmental or societal influences to creep into your psycho uh, creep into your psyche, then all of a sudden you're going to end up investing in desires beyond the limits. So God doesn't mind, but your desires have to be filtered through delight and in delighting God. So the more you go to the light and allow your deeds to be exposed, at John 3, 16, God 16, begins to let us know. He says that the reason why most people do not come to God because they don't want to go into the light and the light will expose. And so we as individuals should be endeavoring, God, you are the one I long for. I want to be in your light. Expose me, oh God, so I can be able to delight in you so that my desires will be from you. And then I will be a disciplined individual that's able to delegate these desires and be able to manage the delivery of what I'm desiring into my life. It says also influenced by external stimuli or personal experience. Some people's um, lust has been conceived from their personal experience, whether it's through abuse or neglect or abandonment or rejection. You don't always have to be a, a, a sexual lustful desires that conceive things. Sometimes lustful desires stems from fatherlessness, stems from mama issues, stems from uh, abuse, sexually, mentally, physically. And it creates these, these overbearing desires to be held, to be loved, etc. It says, if unchecked, if these desires are not checked, these factors can lead to a distorted perception and an unbridled craving contributing to the conception of lesson art. So if I do not check my desires, and like and, and that's what I often do. I ask myself, why do you desire success, Josh? Why do you desire X, Y, or Z? And I have to always investigate and audit my emotions before I get into motion. The issue is we don't audit our emotions enough and we just go right into motion. And then when we get into emotion, uh, uh, then we end up in demotion or never getting to a place of promotion. We have to examine, what, why do I feel the way I feel? Why do I desire what I desire? Because some of our desires inspire. Some of our desires need to go higher. And so when we think about lust in this regard, then we'll begin to say, I got to check my desires often because it will distort my perception. How many people have been guilty of desiring a relationship? It distorted your perception of what love is. Now you get into the relationship and realize what love really is. And then you have the capacity to actually love. Now you have a distorted perception. Maybe you will change the way you see what you see. He wants to affect how you see what you see. Because if you don't see things the way God desires you to see them, then you're going to see them wrong. And it's going to create a, a, a altered, elevated perception of a thing, causing you to invest in something that's not real, and then now you can't deal. Right? And so we have to check our desires often to ensure that we're not contributing to a lustful heart. Now, another paragraph I want to read. It says longing. When left unchecked, we're talking about longing can evolve into lust. So you got to be careful what you're longing for. What are you longing for? What is your deep-rooted desire? What do you desire most? And a lot of people, the reason why they're not as successful as they need to, because they're longing for things and it's stretching them beyond their capability, causing failure. It says, can evolve into lust. Longing is deep-seated desire or yearning. And if not tempered with healthy fulfillment, it may Intensify into an insatiable craving. Now, it, there's nothing wrong with desire, like we said. But when you begin to long for something, then it begins to create a, a, a yearning. So the thing about it is, we have to understand what fulfillment is. Fulfillment means this: that I am here to fulfill a particular assignment. So when you're distracted by a desirable place, and it's taking you away away from fulfilling the place that God has placed you. Then you're going to start longing away from a place of preparation to a place of promotion that you don't know how to regulate the right emotions for. 
And so when you begin to say, okay, why am I longing for this? Because of this individual relationship? Because of what other people have? And if it's not checked or tempered with healthy fulfillment, meaning I have to fulfill what God wants me to do now. Because if you fulfill your then you'll be well equipped with the right perspective and the right pattern to be able to fulfill a relationship. And if you can't fulfill uh, the basics of a marriage, then you're not going to be able to fulfill the demands of a five-year marriage, 10-year marriage, 20-year marriage. You're not going to be able to fulfill what it means to parents. You're not going to be able to fulfill what it means to allow marriage to be held with honor. So fulfillment is key. If, I, if you can't, or if we can't fulfill where we are now, we're not going to be fulfilled over here. So we can't long for here if we don't know how to last here. If we can't last here, we can't long for there. So be, putting things in perspective is key. It says, if not tempered with healthy fulfillment, it will testify or may testify into an insatiable craving, a craving that cannot be put out. Now you begin to crave. Now you're addicted to the idea. So many people are invested in the idea of something, but they're not able to manage the individual or the actual thing when it's in, in their life. That's why I got to ask, am I trying to, uh, am I immersed with the idea of a thing, but I haven't investigated that thing enough? So you have to investigate a thing long enough to neutralize your longing. So you have to investigate what really comes with a marriage, what really comes with parenting. I think a lot wouldn't be having sex if they begin to investigate what comes next, right? When you begin to investigate, hey, if I have sex with this individual, there's a high probability that there may be a child. And if I'm not the individual to handle what comes next, then I shouldn't be having sex. That's the practical process of the mind. But if, that, if the mind is bogged down with longings and desires and cravings, the mind is not conditioned or is not mature enough to actually process the information. That's with sex, that's with relationships, that's with anything. But you have to create a clarity of mind, a mind that's able to say, hey, let me think this through. Let me investigate what all comes with what it is that I'm thinking or dreaming about to ensure that I'm actually the individual to bring about what this thing is actually about. It says, um, it may intensify into an insatiable craving. This progression from longing to lust often involves heightened emotional and physical desires, leading individuals to seek gratification without due consideration for moral or ethical boundaries. Now, what that means is when it's progressed, now you have elevated emotion and you have physical desires. So when emotions and physical desires are higher than your spiritual systems that's why you never i heard a quote that says you never rise to your goals but you fall to your systems if you don't have good supporting systems then my friend you're not going to be able to overcome a lustful desire you won't be able to get to a place of 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 sexual purity or or purity of mind or being able to actually enjoy a marriage so you got to begin to think about hey how high are my emotions like whatever you feed most leaves most let me say it again Excuse me. Whatever you feed most leaves most. So if you only if you feed your physical self and your emotional self more than you lead your spiritual self, and you have no spiritual systems to be able to process the the insatiable or potential longings in the other areas, then my friend, you're, you're going to be buried in those areas. That's why you got to say, okay, I got to invest in my my spiritual growth. I got to invest in my spiritual disciplines. So I don't end up going missing or I don't end up in a situation where I'm not uh, uh, qualified to even be in that position. And so I don't want to get to a place where where I visit, but I can't stay. And so when your emotions are invested in that, you invest in those thoughts of what it will be like to have somebody, what it will be like to be successful, what it would be like to have this or that. then my friend, you're going to be in a position where your spiritual uh, growth and disciplines won't be able to bring you down to a perspective of why God doesn't have you there yet. It says here, this progression from longing to lust often involves heightened emotional and physical desires, leading individuals to seek gratification. The issue with a lot of us, we don't know how to delay gratification. Listen, it's very difficult. I'm telling you, the world is designed for instant gratification. Look around you, microwaves, start with the microwave. 
the microwave then led to DoorDash and, and Instacart and all these different things. Now we're slowly getting to a place where it's all about convenience. And when it's all about convenience, then we don't know how to handle inconveniences. Because the Bible says in the last days, they will not be able to endure sound doctrine. There's a sound doctrine to everything we desire to be in. If you can't endure a, a, a marriage one-on-one, how are you, you going to be able to pass a marriage? How are you going to be able to pass the elevated uh, or the uh, um, elite levels of marriage if you can't endure the basics? And so, oh, oh my audio's acting up. Give me a thumbs up on you. You can hear me. Let me know if y'all can hear me. Let me know if y'all can hear me on YouTube. I'm on Instagram as well, so Instagram may be affecting the quality. Still can hear though? Okay. Let me see here. Let me know again, in and out. Man, um, if someone else let me know. I don't know if it's your side. If, okay, well, Audra says, and Miss Lewis says it's in and out. Man, so I might have to take it off Instagram because that might be what's contributing. On Instagram, let me know in the comments. Y'all hear me? This is new on the platform that I use. I can hear you. You good? Keep cooking. Oh, it's time to uh, so when we don't delay gratification and we don't understand that, for instance, the reason why I waited to marriage to have sex was because my perspective was, was realizing that if I have it now before I marry, it's going to taint how I engage my wife. Now, don't get me wrong. Just because I didn't have sex doesn't mean I didn't have lustful stuff and lustful addictions to pornography. So I had to clean up every area of lust or my marriage will turn to rust, right? But when you begin to understand legacy and you begin to understand, hey, if I invest in this lustful of energy and then I bring and create synergy, sin to my energy, then man, I'm not gonna be able to really experience what it means to have it or enjoy something in its safest place. We always say marriage between a husband and a wife that are both submitted to God, that's the only place sex is safe. Sex is not safe. In any other place, sex is only safe and it's in highest level with a husband and a wife that are both submitted to God because those people are not submitted to God and they're not open to God and God to cleanse those areas. And they're going to be they're going to be having sex even though it may be enjoyable. But now there's threesome, there's foursome, there's five some five because you didn't get rid of that guy that you had sex with. And now while you're enjoying your husband, you're comparing his size to that size, but while you're with a wife. That wasn't like the mistresses that you had in, in, on your mattresses, and she's not turning tricks like that. Now, all of a sudden, it's hard for you to enjoy sex, or it's hard for you to enjoy in your marriage, even though you love the person because you haven't submitted that area over to God. You haven't submitted that person over to God and began to be free from those individuals. And so, when you understand those in context and understand that the designer understands how things should then you say, I got to go to God and look at how and how, why should I wait? Why shouldn't I lust? Why should I neutralize my desires so I don't find myself situations that will soon occur? I said, when individuals seek gratification without due consideration, you have to take consideration. You got to consider some things. Like before you start developing these emotions, start investigating these longings, you got to consider some things. You got to consider the person that you will like to marry one day. You have to consider your children's children. The Bible says a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's consideration. So consideration will help you make gratification. Because you'll be like, man, if I invest in this, it's going to destroy them or destroy or don't even put me in a position to have what I desire. Now, Let's talk about longing for God. Longing for God acts as a transformative force, redirecting one's desires towards spiritual fulfillment. At the core of us, we are spiritual beings. So if I know that I'm a spiritual being and I don't invest in my spirit being what it was meant to be, then my friend, then I'm going to not be able to be redirected. That's why the Bible says we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. See, when the spirit is fed, 
They need to renew what's dead in the soulless realm. And then it will dead the addictions in the physical realm. When I feed my spirit and who I really am, and the Bible says it's in him that we live, move, and have our being. So when I begin to activate and connect with God, I'm investing my spiritual disciplines, investing my spiritual growth. When my spirit man is fed, it causes to bring life to what is dead in my emotions. Those uh, father issues, issues, uh, peer pressure, uh, 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 all the different stuff in the, in the soulless realm. And then it will actually dead the physical addictions. It will then be able to say, man, I don't even desire women anymore like in regards to sex. I don't desire sex like that anymore. I don't desire success like that anymore. That's why we got to long for God. By cultivating a deeper connection with God through prayer, devotion, and understanding, individuals can find satisfaction in a higher purpose. God wants us to be satisfied. Spiritual satisfaction keeps you from trying to be satisfied physically. Because you're enjoying God so much, because you're longing for him and, and growing deeper and deeper and understanding who he is and living like that, then you won't even really be uh, caught up psychologically or influenced by environmental factors. Purpose was one of the things that kept me from going deeper into lust because when I began to get into my purpose, I began to see those lustful moments in pornography, all that different stuff was affecting my chemistry with God, affecting my creativity uh, with God, my creating with God. And so when I understand that those are key elements creating with God and chemistry, man, I can't be uh, be effective in ministry if I'm in lust. So when I begin to feel that lust is affecting my chemistry with God, and then it's affecting my creativity with God, then man, I had to get rid of it. I had to find a way to dead it and to be proactive, head on a swivel, to make sure I'm not psychologically coming down over time that opens me up for longing or put me in certain environments that I shouldn't be. And it causing a death to me in regards to my purpose. This, this spiritual longing counteracts the emptiness that can lead to lust, fostering a sense of fulfillment and guiding desires towards a more meaningful and virtuous path. That's right. So here's some scriptures related to this real quick. They're gonna talk about some other things that are going pretty long today. Let me check on Instagram real quick. Let me see what we got going on. So thank y'all for joining. This is new. So we're gonna be streaming on. I'm gonna stream on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And so if everybody can chat right now, let me know what you're getting from me so far, and let's get into it now. Let's get some some uh, biblical things so we can better understand what the Word of God says about lust. And we'll probably go for an hour. Matthew five twenty seven through twenty nine says there's a thirty. It says you have heard Jesus say that it was said you should not commit adultery. But I say, I love that. Because you heard, now here. In order for us to understand certain things, we can't go off what we've heard. Because some of the things we've heard can be distorted. We have to go off what we hear. What is God saying in your ear? What is God trying to make clear? You have heard that will say you should not commit adultery. So some people say, well, I said ain't that bad because I heard that it's worse than that said. He says, no, but I say to you, Jesus says that everyone who looks at a woman or a man with lustful intent has already committed adultery with him or her in their heart. Tweet says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Metaphor, don't go and your eye out. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you, fellas or ladies, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go to hell. So we see what it says. You have heard. And so people thought, well, my sin is not as bad because I didn't have sex with somebody. My sin is not that bad because at least I give from my success. But God says, check the cabinets of your heart. Right now, if I go downstairs, I have all the ingredients to make pancakes. I have all the ingredients to make pancakes. Now, 
just because I have all the ingredients doesn't mean pancakes make themselves on their own. So just because I have all the ingredients doesn't mean I have a pancake, but I can't, I have the potential to create pancakes. What am I saying? Inside of our hearts, we all have all the ingredients, if not careful, to actually commit adultery. So God is saying, I don't measure a sin based upon the sin happening. I measure a sin based upon the ingredients that a man or woman leaves in their heart that will potentially put them in a position to do so. So how many of us create, uh, committed adultery in our minds? Visually seeing ourselves sexually in, uh, pleasing or being pleased by an individual. So already in the imagination, you have created abominations. And so when we understand <clears throat> that just because for those uh, believers out there, individuals out there that says, well, I'm a virgin, or I haven't had sex, well, I haven't had sex in a while, but if you still have that longing inside your heart, you still have ingredients in your heart that if the stove gets cut on, you're going to make a pancake. For instance, if I desire pancakes right now, I can go down there now and make pancakes. But if I have no ingredients, I can't make the pancakes. But when you remove the ingredients, no matter what thought comes in your mind, you don't have the ingredients to do so, then you can move on. He says, I'll say to you that everyone who looks at a woman, so God cares about what you look at. And how you look at it. If you can't see that sister as a sister in Christ, that brother as a brother in Christ, or that individual as an image bearer of God, then my friend, you're going to create these, uh, uh, when that environmental fact that an individual walked by smelling good, looking good, a young lady uh, where everything is form-fitting right in the right area, and all of a sudden when that ingredient gets sparked and that desire increases, you may not sleep with that person, but it puts you in a position to sleep with yourself, to look at pornography, then use your right hand. And the enemy knows that on-demand pleasure affects marital sexual pleasure. That's why enemy wants you to have toys and, and a jack-off and all that stuff because he knows on-demand pleasure, when you take care of yourself, a true man or woman of God is not going to meet those expectations. The enemy wants elevated sexual expectations. But what happens is he puts people who are demonically influenced or has had enough practice to do stuff to you that you've never been done, has never been done to you, or you you isolate yourself, do stuff with yourself, and now you don't trained your body to be pleased on demand. And now when you actually have the man or the woman that you dream for, you married to him, if they don't meet those sexual expectations, then you're not going to be sexually satisfied. And how many marriages I've counseled, people I've talked to who are not sexually satisfied because they have elevated sexual expectations derived from other people and other experiences or experience with themselves. So now we have to get to a place, even if you marry right now, or a single person says, God, create in me a new heart. Renew me a right spirit. Help me to get rid of these ingredients. Help me to see myself the way I see myself and to see others how they should be seen. Go deeper to find out why I'm longing for this so I can fix this. He says, if your right eye caused you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. He's not saying doing that, like physically. He says, do whatever it takes to make sure your eye is fixed. And if that means you look crazy running away like Joseph or whatever, I, it's better for you to look like that and go to heaven than to invest in that what you're looking at and then end, end up busting hell wide open. And if your right hand offends you, you got to do whatever it takes to maim that hand, that practice, so it won't become a practice. Now, next scripture for Thompson. 1 John 2, 16. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the lust of the father or the love of the father is not in them. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh or the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father. But it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. That verse is layered. I shouldn't even put these verses together because they're so layered. But I'm going to teach them anyway. I'm going to check on Instagram real quick. We got this thing divided. Okay. So, do not love the world, the world's system, the world's pattern, the world's definition. 
God has a way of us viewing things. The world has a way of viewing things. It's hard to love the kingdom of God when you're immersed with this world. The enemy knows it's hard. It's, my old, it's hard to get in this, but it's easier to get in this. It's hard to really pray in faith than to play in this world. It's easier to immerse ourselves with the world and love things the way the world loves it because the enemy uses the world's systems, aims them at our, our uh, raw natural inclinations for sin, for desires, etc. So he knows that if I get you to love this world and the things in this world, then you would develop a love, a craving, a desire that's not of God. It says, a command, do not love the world. Do not love the world's ways of anything. It says, or the things in the world. That's not talking about God in this world. We're talking about things that are birthed from this world system. Don't love uh, uh, the perverted thing of the proper thing. You see, the things of the world are perverted versions of the proper version. So when you begin to love the world's way of marriage, the world's way of love, the world's way of success, the world's way of anything, then you're going to end up worldly. Let's keep going. It says, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father. So when your flesh desires something, or your eye wants something, or you become prideful of this life, that's not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with this desires for whoever does the will of God abide forever. So do you want to perish or do you want to abide forever? So my goal is playing the long game. My goal is to play legacy. I'm playing a different game. It's a different sport. It's called legacy. And I don't want my legacy to be tainted. I want my legacy to last beyond me. I want, I want to live longer than I lived. So when I've lived 70, 80, 80, 90 years old, I want to live 200 years, 300 years through videos, books, and the will of God. And the Bible says in another verse that the will of God is our sanctification. So the more that I immerse myself in being sanctified from the inside and allow my mind to be modified, then I can have true success. And so when you understand that God wants to keep cleansing the levels of you so that you can be your perfect you, then you'll begin to find his will and then you will do his will. <clears throat> but if you're connected with the world stuff, my friend, it's going to be very hard for you to abide forever. See, I want my marriage to abide forever, but it can't be lost in it. I want my daughter, see, I want to be measured by how well my daughter was parented, how big the smile my wife has always been for years. I want when people look up, I've been married 40 years and it's abiding forever. I want my ministry to abide forever. I want my business to abide forever. But I can't if I'm not in the will of God, which is my sanctification. And I can't if I love this world. And the world is passing away. All these trends will end. But the way God desires what the Bible, that's why people say the Bible is, a, uh, is old school. No, the Bible is the school. The designer knows the thing from the beginning, from the end to the beginning. So God wrote this book with the end in mind. So all the principles, all the patterns, all the things in this book transcends trend. And so the world is trendy and the things of God, is, 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 is it lasts. <clears throat> so when you understand that, you'll say, man, I don't want to pass. I want to last. Now, James 1, 14 to 15 is what I want to get to. Let no one say when he or she is tempted, I am being tempted by God. I don't think too many people do that. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But oftentimes people blame God. The reason why I was tempted was because God put me in this environment. Or the reason why I was tempted was because God didn't promote me yet. The reason why I was tempted was because my dad wasn't there and God should have been, should have did this, whatever. Or the reason why I was tempted. So people say, well, the reason for me to be in a position to be tempted was because God didn't do this. Or God didn't do that. Oh, like when Adam got caught in his sin, he said, the woman you gave me, 
was the reason why I fell in this temptation. That's what we do. Well, this is the home you put me in. This is the stuff you allowed to happen. This is what you did. So it put me in a position to be tempted. No, that's God said, I tempt nobody with evil. See, listen, just because you're in a situation doesn't mean you're being tempted. It means from my vantage point, you're being tested. But because you have the ingredients in your heart, now it's a temptation. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one, but each person, me, you, everyone, each person is tempted when he or she is lured and enticed by their own desire. So the enemy is trying to inspire his desires. He wants to inspire certain desires. He wants to add fire to certain desires. So when you understand that, you got to be, I can't watch this like I used to. I can't listen to this like I used to. Because everything in this world system is trying to add fire to your because he knows I cannot defeat someone who's disciplined. I can only defeat someone who is desiring. We defeat the devil through discipline. In order for us to be a disciplined believer, we have to be a disciple believer. Disciple, discipline. If I'm not a disciple of Jesus, I cannot be disciplined like Jesus was in the wilderness when he was tempted. Now, People look at that and be like, oh, so Jesus was tempted? So that means he had bad ingredients? No. The devil tempted him for what he really was. But he tried to add a twist to make him have it before the time. So when Jesus was tempted to turn bread, stone into bread, what does the Bible say about Jesus? He's the bread of life. He tempted him with bread. But if he provided it for himself and he ate the bread before the time, then he it opened an area, it will open an area in Jesus for the enemy to occupy because he wasn't disciplined. He fed himself when he was supposed to feed us. He wasn't meant to feed it, come here to feed himself. He came to fed us. The next temptation was let me put him on a high pinnacle and have him jump off and, and have him say, Well, if uh, when you jump off. When, when the angels come and catch you, what was that temptation for? Jesus had a real desire to reveal himself. He had a real, all desire to reveal himself. But if he, if his desire was to reveal himself before the time, he would have the crowd, but he wouldn't have a Christian because he never got to the cross. So if he revealed himself, people would have heralded him king of the Jews and would have forced him to overthrow Rome when he was trying to overthrow the ruler in our home. So if he would have revealed himself prematurely, which was a temptation, which was a natural desire, but a desire prematurely, prematurely ends up to a, a, a immaturity. Because he didn't he didn't do all the other miracles. He wasn't able to meet the well. He wasn't able to raise lives. He wasn't able to fulfill the other prophecies. Oh, my goodness. So if he would have revealed himself before the time, he would have erased all the prophecies, then disqualifying him from being who he needs to be. But Jesus, in his heart, knew, yes, I had the desire, but his desire is not at his time yet. And he asked Jesus to all these kings. Yes, I'm a king. And yes, it's a natural inclination, natural desire to be a king of kingdom. But I'm not going to fall for that. So yes, you're going to be tempted even to pursue success. So temptation doesn't mean it's always bad. You're going to be tempted to do things, but the temptation, the bad part of temptation is to do the good thing at the wrong time. So yeah, you're going to be tempted to be a when that guy passed by you, that girl passed by you. But when you have self-control and you're not rising towards the goal of falling to your spiritual systems, then you will be able to quote scripture that will come to the enemy believe. That's video for another day. But that's what we found. It says, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted 
when he or she is lured and enticed by their own desires. So you got to look at your own desires. <clears throat> you got to look at your own desires and to ask yourself, do I own these desires? I got to look on my own desire. I got to look at my own. And I ask myself, do I own these? Do I have self-control to own these desires? To own this desire for success, own this desire of relationship, to own it. <clears throat> but each person is tempted when he is or she is lured and enticed by his own desire. So the enemy will put fire to desires to get you out of the fire of the Holy Ghost, the purification fire of the Holy Ghost, to now be inflamed by something out here. And then be enticed, enamored by it. Next part. This is this is a pattern. It's a principle. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. So when my desire connects with what I'm desiring outside of me, it conceives sin. Now, the conception of a sin don't seem big because it's small. <clears throat> when a baby is conceived. In the womb of a woman, we don't see the womb of the woman because it's small. The reason why we do what we do is because we see all sin or certain sins as small. So when your desire connects with something, you don't really see the sin because when you desire a relationship before the time and then you open yourself to entertain someone. <clears throat> Excuse me. Give me a second. And then you begin to entertain somebody who is not from God. Disobedience has been conceived. So when you desire success and then you take an opportunity that's not from God, the sin of disobedience has been conceived. The initial steps of disobedience don't seem heavy as the consequence, but it's the conception. So when you begin to desire something before the time, and then you actually connect it to, become intimate with it, now you become interested in it, then you become involved with it, then you become intimate with it, Conceived it. That's why the Bible says, "Love not the world." Don't even be interested in it, because interest leads to involvement. Involvement leads to intimacy. Nobody, not well, most people do. <laughs> they be having sex on the first night. What I'm saying is, when you become interested with the idea of something, then you become involved with the idea of something. Then you become interested with the idea of something, and then you suffer the consequence. So it says, um, "Then desire when it has conceived." Gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. The end of sin is death. If I don't want death, I gotta put death, I gotta put to death certain desires. So when desire has been conceived, it gives birth to sin, it grows sin. So the sin has been birthed, <clears throat> but it was a process to that being birthed. Now, Colossians 3, 5, let me get to my other points. It says, put death, therefore, what is earthly, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. It is our responsibility to put to death, to put things to death through discipline, to put things to death through desiring God more. We have to put it to death. Now, let's talk about some things real quick. All right, for time's sake, I'm losing my voice. Here are the three, uh, six different types of lust. And then we'll talk about the four things lust destroys. There's sexual lust, a strong desire for sexual gratification, often disconnected from emotional intimacy or commitment. So sexual lust don't care about uh, uh, being actually emotionally connected to individuals or committed. It just wants to get it all. Material lust, excessive desire for material possessions, wealth, or status. Sometimes driven by a need for validation or social recognition. So material lust. So nothing all sex. Even though <clears throat> lust is sex at, at parts. Power lust. An intense craving for authority, control, and influence over others. 
often at the expense of ethical considerations, power lust, uh, egoistic lust or egotistical, a focus on self-gratification, seeking admiration, attention, or validation from others to fulfill ego, egotistical lust, consumptive lust, and insatiable desire for excessive consumption, whether it be for food, <laughs> or experiences, also leading to unhealthy behavior. Let me get through this so I can rest my voice. Um, fantasy lust, fixation on unrealistic or in ideal, idealized fantasies, which may contribute to dissatisfaction with reality. Lusting in the fantasy world. Now you hate it here, so you stay here. Image-based lust, a preoccupation with physical appearance and the pursuit of an idealized image, often driven by status standards. So image-based lust, Means that I have to look like this in order to feel fulfilled or successful. So we said sexual lust, material lust, power lust, egotistical lust, consumptive lust, fantasy lust, and image-based lust. So you gotta ask yourself, where do you stand in that in that category? Are you a person that have sexual issues, materialistic issues, power issues, egotistical issues, <clears throat> consumption issues? Fantasy issues, <clears throat> image-based issues. Now, here are four things lust destroys. I know it took me 46 minutes here, but here are the four things lust destroys. Number one, loss of self-control. So the number one thing, L-U-S-T, the number one thing, not number, that's the number one, but one of the things that lust destroys is self-control. Lust can lead to a loss of self-discipline Causing individuals to act impulsively. So lust destroys self-control. Because when you don't have self-control, your life will be out of control. And now you can't control yourself. When you're out in public, you're looking at every behind that passes you by. Now you're looking at everyone and every man as a potential husband. Now you now you're out of control. Because you have no self-control. So lust <clears throat> destroys discipline or it keeps discipline from even developing. So lust destroys self-control. So lust can lead <clears throat> to a loss of self-discipline, causing individuals to act impulsively. The enemy wants us to be impulsive, impatient. He wants us to want it now. It's my whatever, and I want it now. That's what he wants. But people who have perspective, Understand what it means to be a person in control. The lust wants to corrode disciplines or to keep disciplines from even developing. <clears throat> you, it undermines relationships. The lust destroys self-control, number one, loss of self-control. You undermines relationships. Excessive lust could corrode or may erode the foundations of healthy relationships as it often prioritizes personal desires over emotional connection. So the more you begin to invest in sexual lust, material lust, egotistical lust, or whatever the lust is, it will then cause marriages and relationships to rust. A lot of people, because of their overbearing desire to be held, their overbearing desire to have sex, their overbearing desire to have stuff, their overbearing desire to be seen, causes or corrodes the foundations of the relationships. That's why as a single man or woman, you got to get rid of that lust because it will undermine your relationship. So yes, <clears throat> you are attracted to the individual, but now you're subtracting from the individual. You just don't want to attract a marriage. You don't want to be in a position where you attract the marriage, but then you subtract from the marriage and now attract from the marriage. And that a marriage cannot stand and be on track for success. So lust undermines relationships. It says excessive lust may erode the foundations of healthy relationships as it often prioritizes personal. Let me tell you something about marriage. Marriage is about serving and not being served. I, when I do whatever I do, help around the house, engage my wife, I don't think about me. If I think about me, I destroy we. 
If I take care of we, me can be taken care of. But if I always think about me, there won't be a we. So when you think about that, when you get into a marriage or if you are married, you'll be able to say, okay, my goal every day is to serve. I don't prioritize what I want because God prioritizes what I want. So if I know that God backs me, there won't be no lack in me, and then my marriage can grow. But if I can't start thinking about me, then I start developing resentment, and I start developing uh, uh, other desires, and when those desires are not met, then I want to go outside of my house to get those desires met. But if all I focus on is serving, I don't got to worry about uh, uh, measuring whether or not she's serving me at the level I desire. That's why when I got married, I had no expectations that, was, that wasn't built. I didn't expect my wife to cook every day. I didn't expect my wife to whatever, whatever. I don't. I didn't have no expectations. I have no special expectations. I have no uh, 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 cooking expectations. I have no expectations. Why? When you start having expectations, you start setting yourself up for disappointment. When you, start, when you are disappointed, you start developing unnecessary desires. And then all of a sudden, now you're looking for that expectation to be met outside of the one that God gave you to meet it. So when you have these expectations or you have lust within, whether it's success or whatever, even with my entrepreneur is my success. I'm, listen, one of the lusts that I got to make sure I keep an eye on is not women. It's success. There's been plenty of times I had to catch my heart when I'm on Instagram. You're looking at all these different preachers and, and entrepreneurs and, and how to deal with that competitiveness. That lust desire. There's been times at night and I'm crying out to God, when is going to be my time, God? And God said, that right there shows you why you might not be there. Why do you want success, Josh? To prove that you already put your 10 years in? To prove that that, that you what, what everybody prophesied you to be? Or do you just simply care about me, Josh? It's God's So I got to always guard my heart for success. I mean, I don't got to worry about that. I, I am fully satisfied with my wife. When it comes to success, I got to always guard my heart for that love, that desire for success. Because I have natural, raw desires to think I'm a winner. <laughs> I will succeed. Everything I touch, prosper. The Bible talks about the head, not the tail. Above, all, not beneath. Teach my hands how to profit. Those are good desires. But when I start getting into environments online, looking at everybody's success, why haven't I had this or that? And all of a sudden, now that real, raw, natural, God-given desire is outside of the delivery. Now I'm trying to succeed to prove to other people that I'm who I am versus who I am. And I don't want my success under my relationship. So that means, oh, man, I got to go now. About five minutes, I got to go. Because, oh, give me, she probably got 15 more minutes. But the thing is, I got to be able to say, hey, 10 is over. 10 15 is over. Because I don't want to pursue success online, undermining my success offline. Let's keep going for time's sake. <clears throat> Undermine racial S strains moral value. So lust destroys self control, lust destroys relationships, lust destroys moral values. Unbridled lust can strain ethical principles and lead individuals to compromise their moral standards. So when you begin to lust, you start you stop having value. You start valuing the wrong things, and now you have no ethical guidance, no moral compass. See, triggers regret. Acting on lustful desires without consideration may result in remorse and the realization of negative consequences. Now, lust corrodes time. You don't have time to regret. You got to have time to go get. That's why God says repent and let dust yourself off and try it again. Like, like, dust off. Let's get to it. Let's go. Let's go. That's why God, listen, lust will put you in a position. The one who tempted you is now the one uh, 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 taunting you. The enemy, the demons associated with your life, not only do they tempt you, after you fell into that temptation, now they taunt you. Now they start telling you, God don't love you. God don't want to use you. And God's like, yo, get up, let's go. So the fourth thing is lust of choice, loss of self-control. You undermine relationships. S, strains, moral values. T, triggers regret. Now, real quickly, <clears throat> and I'm done. 
I didn't put the worksheet up. But either way, I'll put it up a little bit later. <laughs> now, how to put lustful desires to death? Let me check on my Instagram. What's up, family? We got a lot of people joining. Okay. How to put to death lustful desires? D-E-A-T-H. Number one, develop self-awareness. You know, Coach Mogito's practical tips. Develop self-awareness. Acknowledge and understand triggers and patterns of lustful desires to better control and redirect them. So the more you go into the light of God and begin to delight in God, <clears throat> then you begin to develop self-awareness. Then you begin to acknowledge. The Bible says, um, acknowledge him in all your ways and your paths will be made straight, right? So when I acknowledge that I have triggers, that's where it begins. You have to be self-aware. What triggers you? What triggers you sexually? What triggers you materialistically? What triggers you egotistically? What triggers you? And one of those things that, what triggers you? What environments? What patterns trigger those lustful desires? Because when you're not self-aware, you can't get there. So you have to develop self-awareness. <clears throat> develop self-awareness through devoting your time with God. Eat. Establish boundaries. Set clear and healthy boundaries to prevent situations that might lead to the arousal of lustful feelings. You have to establish boundaries with yourself. Establish boundaries. Hey, this is what we're going to do. If you want to extend your territory, you got to respect the territory you have. You got to say, okay, I'm going to set boundaries here. Learn how to live within boundaries. So when God increases my territory, now I can protect those boundaries. So establish a set clear and healthy boundaries. Say, hey, I just don't, I can't go here no more. I can't. Why? Because of legacy. You got to develop long term. Desires that can be felt now. Often, I think about my wife and daughter often when I'm outside of the house. The more I think about them, it prevents him. It prevents anything in me to want to fall into lust in any dimension, in any realm. So you got to have a legacy. You got to say, okay, the reason why I have these boundaries is because I want to stay bound to them. Hey, accountability, big. That's the one part people don't want to have, but accountability. Share your struggles with a trusted friend or mentor who can provide support and hold you accountable for your actions. Accountability must come from people who have the ability to account. If they don't have the ability to account for their own lives, they can't account for your life. You got to find somebody who has a strong marriage, who has a strong walk with God, who you, you observe their actions from afar. Like, that's why I tell I, don't, I measure a man not the not by the man. I measure the man by the countenance of his wife. That's how I measure a man. If I look at that man's wife and he's walking ahead of her, he's not holding your hand. I'm just gonna hold your hand. I'm just gonna hold your hand all the time. But if I see you don't hold your wife's hand, or if I look at her countenance and she don't sing, she's not blossoming. She's a flower that's bending over, losing, losing. Uh, a flower, her flower, her flowerness. Then you a coward, man. I can't trust you. That's why people be looking at me and my wife. Be back, she be laying on my shoulder. She be holding my hand. That measure this way. If my wife ain't happy, then my life won't be long, or God won't even hear my own prayers. So you got to have accountability with people who have proven themselves. Transform your thinking. Challenge and change distorted thought patterns by focusing on positive, uplifting, and, and, and virtuous thoughts. You got to treasure the way you think about yourself. Treasure the way you think about the opposite sex. Treasure the way you think about the things that's in this world. Treasure the way you think about marriage, the way you think about singleness. Because if you're miserable in singleness, you're going to be even more miserable in marriage. If you can't find joy in singleness, you won't find joy in marriage. If I don't find joy in year six of my marriage, I'm focusing on year whatever, then I'm not going to have joy in that year. Transform your thinking. 
Last not least, harness spiritual practices. Engage in prayer, meditation, and regular spiritual activity to strengthen your connection with God and seek guidance and overcome those problems. You got to harness it. Harness it means make it. No, 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 no. Don't get away from me, prayer. Oh, come here, prayer. Oh, I'm not going to let my prayer life go. It's easy not to pray. <laughs> That's why no prayer works. Because we don't pray more. We don't pray a lot. The enemy, I look at things from a spiritual world. The reason why we don't pray is because the enemy knows that those who don't pray become prey. Those who don't P-R-A-Y will become P-R-E-Y. You got a heart in our prayer. We pray today. Hey, no prayer. Come here. Bible. Don't you leave me, Bible. No. What have been times where I got to walk around my Bible? Ah, when I get stupid, no harness it. Ah, we read. We feed. You got to harness it. Don't let it go. No, you're not. No, I'm not letting this go out of my life. You got to harness those spirits. So when you grow spiritually, then you'll be able to begin to manage the other areas through self-control. Thank y'all so much for joining me today. Pray this video is a blessing. Pray you got something out of it. We have a lot of resources for that. I think we're aging this area. Uh, one of the issue, one of the books that I have that I think will help you is uh, The Purpose of Freedom. Where is that? The Purpose of Freedom, this book right here will be a great resource. It talks about how to untie soul ties, uproot stronghold. Also, this book right here, Counterfeit or Counterparts, a great book to help you properly discern how to develop your discernment. So you'll be able to determine what comes from God and what comes from the enemy so that you'll be able to develop the ability to discern. You'll be able to test things to receive God's best. Uh, facts over feelings is another good book in this area. It helps you process your feelings to find the facts before you act. So you'll be able to say, okay, it's not factual for me to be with this person. not factual for me to be because I know that my feelings are not going to be. Uh, the purpose of singleness is another good book for those who struggle with their singleness and their singleness is making them want to be married. This book right here will help you understand the purpose of your singleness so that you'll be able to see the beauty of it and how it preps you for marriage. A lot of other card games that hold a bit good game. Communicate, hold his drugs. A lot of dating prep. Good book. If you single, this resource helps you uh, uh, determine your non-negotiable, determine what your dating life is going to be like. Don't date your wife or husband forever. You got to set dates to get to know them, right? If you with somebody right now, this book will help you see if y'all in the same sentence, in the same paragraph, on the same page. A lot of people are on the same page. That could be bad too. I teach a class. When I if I if I have one student read one paragraph on the page, another person start another paragraph on the page, it's gonna cause confusion. People can't follow you. So you have to make sure that y'all are in rhythm. The Holy Spirit is the only one to ensure that you guys you may be one word behind the person, but at least you're in the same sentence in the same paragraph on the same page. This book here is a good book. I also got a card game called Prep, which is a fun way to see where you guys are, whether y'all should go, whether y'all should slow, whether it's a red flag like whoa, or this should be a no. Great book there. Also have a couple of coaching programs. I think it'd be a blessing to you. If you had a place right now where you want to be mentally positioned, to have mental clarity, and you want to be mentally creative, and you want to create a mind that may factor things that then compensate your life, then check out my resilient mindset program. We started in January, the second round. First round was amazing. So I got a testimonials about that. Also, if you're a person that's like, man, coach, this message hit me, man. Coach, I am overly consumed with my ego. I'm over-consumed with my success. I lust for success. I lust to be seen. And it's corroding my marriage, Coach. Coach, it's, de it's destroying my connection with my children. Coach, my walk with God is not even on the same mile. We're so distant. And you want to get to a place where you're operating in holistic fulfillment, where you're at a place where not only do you have that good raw desire for success, but it's managed. That's why God gave me a family. Family has went slow down. Family has a way of calling you to rest. Family has a way of, because when you know you're in partnership with God, there's no need to be pressed. And that's why when my, I love my wife and daughter interrupt me because it's God interrupting me. It's God saying, no, integrate your family in your pursuit of success. Integrate me with your success because now you can't have success if you don't have success in all those areas. So what's the cause? What's the cause of saving your marriage, of saving your connection with your children? So check out my fulfillment coaching program. If you say, coach, I'm going to get to a place where I install the right tools and skills, the right skill set, 
the mindset, have the tool set to turn every area into an asset that attracts the favor of God. And so check, out, check out that uh, coaching program there. I'll go ahead and post um, some links. You got what a link to the description box below. But, oh, if you're watching on Facebook, hold on, give me one second. Let me go ahead and uh, get those links in there. And I got to go. So thank you all for joining. Make sure you like. I can't get to questions today because I, I got to get off here and respect my wife and and, get, and and spend some time with her a little bit. And my daughter's still up spending time with her. Um, so I'll post those links. I'm going to try to get in here in one second for those who's waiting on those links. So uh, coaching programs, i post that link there. All my books and stuff is in there as well. Um, I'm going to put my book in there too. Speaking that stuff. Uh, just check out the link in my description box. On Facebook, just go to my website, mycoachjosh.com. If you need coaching, if you need books, resources that will help you in this regard. Love you all. Thank you so much for your time. I'm going to rest my voice. I'll see you I'll do some more videos. Um, love y'all. Thank y'all for your generosity in advance. Thank y'all for your support in advance. Love y'all. Thank y'all so much for being a, a supportive community. We appreciate y'all generosity. Oh, Trisha says, I have the dating prep cards. Really good. I've got a lot of people messing tell me how to know that, that uh, dating prep book and that dating prep card game saved their marriage. And I had a lot of people say, man, it prevented them to uh, going into the wrong marriage. Trisha says she has dating card preps. They're really good. So check out my card games, books, all that good stuff. I got to go. It's 15. Love y'all.